The basis of today's message is from the epistle just read to you. These words, for I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, the one to come, the Almighty. Christ is risen. Good morning. Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is our resurrected Lord. To the victor goes the spoils. Winner, winner, what? Chicken dinner. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That's right. The older we get, the more we know what happens with winners and what happens with losers. Winners get their picture taken, they get the big contracts, and losers go home broke. Winners survive, and losers get voted off the island. We all know what it's like to be a winner and to be a loser. Winners get the glory, losers get nothing. To the victor goes the what? The spoils. God had chosen them that they might be victorious, but the opposite was their reality. He is the biggest winner and egomaniac on earth, and even though they came there as guests, they were aliens and became slaves. And for 400 years, they worked in bondage under the yoke of slavery, and they asked God, when will we be winners? When will we be winners and not working for somebody else's ego and glory? And so God heard their cry. For among them, he sent someone who was a winner and a loser, and he confronted him, and in a series of contests between nature and him, he went 0-10, and he let his people go, only not to give in, but chased after them with chariots and horse. And you know the story. God opened the what? The Red Sea. And what happened is, what happened is, him and his chariots and his army lost. So they sung this song. It was a song of victory. I will sing to the Lord, for he is might highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. And from that day on, let me come back, and from that day on, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, for I have delivered you with a mighty hand from the clutches of Egypt. And every time God responded to his chosen people, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and John, who has delivered you. To the victor goes the what? The spoils. When I think back on my life, I have a couple pictures of victory. Sort of unique. The first Ohio State game I went to was when I was in college. And I went to school in River Forest, Illinois. And some of my childhood friends, they had tickets to the Ohio State-Northwestern game. So I went to Eviston, and I sat on the 50-yard line almost to the top. And below me, below sitting below me and my friends, uh, the Northwestern sororities, the Northwestern fraternities, and Northwestern band. And this is back in the day when Northwestern was always bad. Remember those days? They're sort of like the Browns, you know? <laughs> We're going to lose all the time. And so we always expect to go to a Northwestern game. Of course, Ohio State's going to win. So the game's like 48-10, 48-3 sort of thing. And at halftime, sometime during the game, they said, don't, don't forget, uh, the band that cheers the loudest, I mean, if the band cheers the loudest, the sorority cheers the loudest, the fraternity cheers the loudest, they get a prize. I guess that's how you get fans to cheer when your team always stinks like the Browns, you know what I mean? 
So I think the game was like 48 to 10 and one minute left. And the announcer came on and said, we decided who the loudest fans were. And they were this fraternity. They cheered. And you, you cheered so loud, you not only get one keg of beer, but you get two kegs of beer. Loud cheering throughout the stadium. We thought it was funny. I'm sure the cheering went on through the night. To the victor goes the what? Yeah, when I was in high school, we ran at the Cleveland Heights Invitational. And the top runners from the top races all got medals. But the unique thing about the Cleveland Heights Invitational was that the Cleveland Heights, um, the organizers always brought cheerleaders with them. And the cheerleading squad were the ones who gave the medals to the winners. And everyone who got a medal also got kissed by a cheerleader. So that was a race we always ran our fastest. I mean, had our best time, really went well. To the victor goes the what? Spoils. Yeah. Because see, to many of us, last week is sort of the, I don't know, the the victory sort of thing. Because the glow of Easter is fading. Our loved ones have went home. We put the plaster Easter eggs and the Easter grass away. All our leftovers are eaten. You know, sort of the glow and the pastels have faded. And maybe there's a little bit of Christ is risen is still in the air. But for many of us, Easter and its glow of victory has faded away. And if someone says to us, to the victor goes the spoils, we sometimes wonder if our life is victorious at all. Because this is the world that God has made, and in our world in which God has made and called everything good, it seems like our life is anything but victorious. You see, there's sin. While we were worshiping here last week, Across the globe, fellow believers who also were worshiping on Easter were killed. Were killed by people who, by others who thought their religion was better than others. And this past week, we also hear of sin from those from esteemed institutions that we once used to think highly of. For in our world, we are surrounded by sin. Sometimes by our own sin. Sometimes from sin of people who offended us and hurt us just not for years, but for decades. And sometimes we realize that our own sin has hurt and harmed others. See, our lives are anything but sometimes victorious because we live in a sinful, fallen world, and we deal with that sin day in and day out. Our world is also not victorious because of death. Because for all of us here, we maybe even face our own death or the death of loved ones. I think Pastor Luring preached about a month ago. This is a pretty big church. And as someone in this church will lose a loved one, if not lose their life. And sometimes the person that we lose can't be replaced. God had only, has only given us one of them. And so we are surrounded by death. Our own death, the death of loved ones. Death that hurts and gives us great pain. Because death is a reality. And sometimes we fear our own death. And then there's also hell. Hell is a reality. If you don't know someone, you will know someone who will be in hell. See, hell isn't meant to scare people and to believe in God. Hell is God showing his eternal justice. Hell is a place where God demands and vindicates his justice and righteousness. He is totally pure and holy. He does not tolerate evil. And hell... And maybe sometimes we even fear, will God accept me? Will I be banished because of my sin? 
So in many times, our lives are anything but victorious. We're constantly surrounded by sin, death, and hell. Now, now St. John, St. John, the great apostle of the church, the only apostle who wasn't martyred, who was exiled, who lived to be a very old age, and God gave him this vision. Matter of fact, it's a vision of victory. Let me go ahead and show you a picture. And in Revelation, and see, we don't like Revelation. We sort of see it as a Pandora's box of fear and things we don't understand. But here, Jesus gives John this vision of who he is, and he's a victorious Christ. And in this vision, Jesus shows himself who he is. Well, he's resurrected. He's Lord and God. And if you see in the picture, go ahead and look. Do you see the seven lampstands? Those are the totality of Christian churches. For he has given them victory as well. And there's seven stars because he has a totality of all power with himself. And even though John is afraid of this, this is a vision of victory. And coming out of his mouth is a sword that speaks his eternal word forever. And this victory takes place then and forever. It's just not a picture of what's going to happen, but it's a picture of what is now. And here is a victorious Christ who has risen from the dead, showing himself to be victorious to John and sharing that same message with you and I, who many times our lives are anything but victorious. Do you see the symbolism? Do you see the power? Because you see, to the victor goes the what? But see, this just isn't about his victory. This is about whose victory? Our victory in Christ. Because we do have victory. We have victory over death. To the victor goes the what? That's for you and me. His victory is our victory. I'd like you to read what Luther says. So Luther says, here's this resurrected Jesus who has shown himself in his glory with symbolism for what is now and what will be. And this is what Luther writes. This is a mystery which is rich in divine grace to a sinner, wherein by a wonderful exchange our sin are no longer ours but Christ, and the righteousness of Christ is not Christ but ours. For in Christ we become victorious. In Christ, through Christ, with Christ, by Christ, his victory is our victory. We are victorious in Christ Take a look at that picture. That's just not for him. That's for us believers. So we have victory over sin. Not only has Jesus forgiven our sin, but he gives us the ability to forgive the sins of those who sin against us. Not only does he forgive our sins and we can forgive the sins of others, but the power of sin no longer has power over us which means we can let it go, which means we can forgive others, and which means we no longer desire to do those things that are sinful. He has given us victory over sin, that we might rejoice in doing what is always godly and right. Sunday school teacher, she taught the worst kid in Sunday school, and everyone knew about it. You know what I'm talking about? I can't believe you teach him. Man, he's just like the worst kid in Sunday school. He's always in trouble. He's always in problems in school. He's always in the principal's office. I've seen him down with the Sunday school superintendent all the time. How do you deal with him? He's just a constant troublemaker. And she had the reputation, yeah, yeah, the worst kid in Sunday school. How do you deal with that? Week in and week out, you have to teach that kid. 
And Sunday school teacher said this. I don't have any troublemakers in my class. What? I don't have any troublemakers in my class because at the end of every Sunday school lesson, I forgive all my kids and they come into my classroom next week. What? Forgiven. You and I believers in Jesus, we have victory over sin. We also have victory. We also have victory over death. Sorry, when we die, we're just not dead and in a tomb. But there is eternal life. There's something well beyond the grave. There is hope. We have victory over death. Death does not have power over us. It didn't have power over Christ. We're victorious over that. Now, last week, Pastor Luring shared about the little boy who was scared to go through the cemetery. Remember, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, until he landed in the grave with the drunk man in there. He said, you could. Okay. Well, it reminds me about the little girl who skipped through the cemetery. She skipped through the cemetery every day. There was two older gentlemen on a park bench who watched the little girl do that. And finally said, little girl, how is it that you can skip through the cemetery without any fear? And she said, well, I skipped through the cemetery because that's the fastest way home. For us, death is the fastest way to heaven. This is a gate of victory in which we pass through death. We do not need to fear death. Our last breath on earth will just mean our first breath in heaven. We have victory over death. It can't contain us. It won't contain us. And finally, we have victory over hell. How? We don't need to fear the judgment of God. His righteousness is ours. He has removed our sin. As we confess, Christ will return. He will judge the world. And he'll separate believers from unbelievers, the left from the right, the goats from the sheep. But we need not fear that as believers. What does Dr. Martin Luther say? We believers are to be concerned with judgment as little as the what? We need you to be concerned with the judgment of God as little as the angels in heaven. The angels in heaven are not concerned with the judgment of God, neither are we, because we're forgiven in Christ. To the victor goes the spoils. Through Christ we are victorious. Or those things that make our life not victorious. Sin, death, and hell. My last official act at my previous church was to do a funeral of a very beloved member. And she joined my church about 10, 10 years ago. Very dedicated, with no offense, she just loved the sermons. She loved Bible study. She loved being in church. And you never would have known her past until you went and visited her. And during the past couple of months, she had an illness and she died rather suddenly. But as I visited with her during her illness, and I came to know her, she didn't lose one child, but she had four children, and three of her grown children died. Now, I can't imagine losing one child. I can't, don't know what that pain is like. I've never been there. No offense to God, I don't want to bear that cross. But to lose three out of four children, I can't imagine that. And if you knew her, you would have thought that never happened. And what went through my mind and what I shared at her funeral is, and I'll cling to the old rugged cross and trade in for a what? A crown. She had victory in Christ. She knew she would see them again. She knew her Lord was victorious. So the victor goes the what? She knew that. I think that gave her peace. That was a very humbling lesson for me. And that's a great blessing for you.
To the victor goes the what? So we are victorious in Christ. His resurrection is our resurrection. His power is our power. And that's what we share, and that's what we hope. To the victor goes the spoils. So how about this for a closing thought? Read it with me. He grants me daily breath. He lives and I shall conquer death. He lives my mansion to prepare. He lives to bring me safely there. And all God's people say...